Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you all. Thank you for having me this morning. And, um, yeah, thank you for those that did join us for our EXO Girls Night Out in honour of International Women's Day. It was, um, it was super fun. And so I did hear that, yeah, it was a little bit chaotic here in Mount Barker because um, you're amazing and you all showed up for tea. And so we should do that more often. Um, so glad that you could gather together and celebrate what it means to be a woman and our sisterhood and celebrate one another. So thank you. And um, thank you for having me here this morning. I do believe I've got a word for each of us today. And so uh, I'd love to read to you first of all from Exodus and then I'll pray. So Exodus 3, if you want to follow with me in your Bibles and reading from verse 1. And I'm just going to jump around a little bit because otherwise it's a bit long. And I've got heaps of scripture this morning. So um, I'll try and... Uh, and well, not talk so fast, but also, <laughs> but also not bore you out of your minds. So um, Exodus 3 in chapter 1, uh, talking about Moses and he's tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement that the bush was engulfed in flames. It didn't burn up. And he says, why isn't it burning? I need to go and have a look at this, at this burning bush. And then um, God calls to him, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replies. And the Lord warns, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of, and the God of Jacob. And Jesus, uh, Jesus, not Jesus yet, Moses <laughs> heard this. He covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then God tells him, I've, I've seen the oppression of my people. I've seen how they've struggled in slavery. I've seen their suffering. I, I know of their suffering. I've come down to rescue you. And, um, and so he says in verse 10, he says, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protests to God and he says, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And, and I love this. God says, I will be with you. This is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. And Moses protests again. He says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? And this is the first time we see this word used in Scripture. God replies to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also says to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, Jehovah, we see that word for the first time, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of, of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Let me pray this morning. God, I thank you for every single person who's here today. I thank you that you have something for each one of us. I pray, God, as we come around your word, as we speak and declare the truth of your word this morning, I pray that, God, you would change hearts, you would change minds, you would help us, you would strengthen us. I pray, God, anoint this word. I pray, speak to your people. I pray that not my words, but you would speak to every heart, that every person would hear what they need to hear from you today. In Jesus' name. Everyone said together. Amen. Amen. So the title of my message this morning is, Who Do You Say That I Am? Who do you say that I am? So we jump to the New Testament and we see these passages about Jesus. And in John 1 it says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. This is in the message. He became human and made his home among us and we have seen his glory. Might not be the message actually, but it's one of the translations. Just take it by faith. Um, the glory of the Father's one and the only... Sorry, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. 
And Jesus says in John 8, he says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. So we see this link back to what, who God said he was back to Moses in the Old Testament. We see Jesus say, before Abraham was even born, I am. And in Revelation, we know that the Bible says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And in Hebrews, we see Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus, the great I am, he, was, he existed before the foundation of the earth. We see God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who was and who is and is still to come. So we get to Matthew in chapter 16, and we see Jesus have this conversation with his disciples. And he comes to the region of Caesarea, and he says to his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers, he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And I love that Jesus says, you are blessed, Simon, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And that jumped out at me. It's not that we can, we do learn from each other. We do gain knowledge and understanding from each other. But it's actually our revelation of who God is to, to us individually and personally. And Jesus says to Peter that you are blessed because you've heard this from God. You've heard this from the Father in heaven that, that he is the Messiah, the Son of the, of the living God. You did not learn this from any human being, but you've, you've, you've heard this from God himself. So who do you say that I am? And this morning, I really want to go through, um, there's eight statements that Jesus makes to the book of John. I am statements about who he says that he is. And I really believe this morning that as we look at these, and we'll, we'll race through them, don't worry, I won't keep you too long. But as we look through these, I believe that as we understand who Jesus says he is, and we have a revelation of who he says he is, then our reflection of that is, therefore, I, who, who are you? Who am I this morning? Who are we in the sight of God? Who are, the, who are we in, in relationship with our Father in heaven? And so when we look, first of all, at John chapter 6, if you want to turn with me in John chapter 6. And we see, first of all, that Jesus says that he is the bread of life. In John 6, in verse 35, Jesus replies, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He is the bread of life. You know, I remember as a kid, I don't know if you can do it anymore because I feel like all of our loaves of bread are always cut up. But I remember sitting in the trolley of you know, at Woolies or wherever it would have been, and I would literally like eat the entire inside of the, of the fresh loaf of bread. Anyone ever do that? The entire loaf of bread, like from the inside out, all the white fluffy bits, leave the crust. Who likes the crust? Um, as, well, you, I probably do as an adult, but as a child, I definitely wanted just the fluffy white stuff in the middle. You know, and I loved that smell of fresh. There's nothing like the smell of fresh bread. I feel like heaven is going to smell like a bakery. Just going to smell like a bakery 24-7, like a good cinnamon donut or a good, I don't know, Pies, after all, don't smell great. So I'm going to go, yeah, vanilla slice sounds like a good one. Um, I feel like bread gets a bit of a bad rap these days. You know, like we, we don't like gluten and we don't like sugar. We don't like carbs but actually, and the empty calories. But actually, there's nothing like a fresh white bread. And I think heaven's going to smell like a bakery. And I love, you know, in the, when we look at Jesus, when he talks to people in, in who, he, who he encounters and who he comes in contact with, 
He says to the woman at the well, if I only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. We see this picture of Jesus being the one who, he's the bread of life, he's the living water, he's the one who comes to nourish us and satisfy us. It says in Revelation that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, he will give freely from the springs of the water of life. You know, when we know that Jesus is the bread of life, when we know that he is the one who bring, is, is bread, who is living water, we are satisfied. We are satisfied. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am satisfied. It says in Psalms that he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. You know, this morning, as the bread of life, when we understand, when we have a revelation of, the, of Jesus as the bread of life, he is the one who nourishes, who satisfies, who, can, who brings us contentment. This morning we can say that I am satisfied, I am content, I am fulfilled, I am satisfied this morning. You know, I'll, I'll kind of touch on this as we go through the message today, but I really do believe that when we have, when we declare over our lives, when we declare over our minds, when we declare over our bodies who Jesus is and therefore what that means for us, I believe there's something that supernaturally takes place. You know, you, you can live in discontentment, you can live in dissatisfaction, you can live in um, un gratefulness, you know, where you just, nothing's ever good enough, or, you know, we can live discontent, my home isn't big enough, or my paycheck isn't large enough, or my husband isn't tidy enough, or that wasn't a dig, but it kind of was. Um, He's not here, so I'll be quiet, but um, to defend himself. But, you know, we can live in discontent, we can live in things that, of looking at nothing's ever good enough, or, you know, I'm, I'm dissatisfied with where I'm at in life, or discontent. But do you know what? When we have an understanding that Jesus is who he says he is, when he is the bread of life, the one who satisfies, the one that, 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 that quenches our thirst, that feeds our, our, our desire for, for the things of, well, this earth, but the things of eternity as well, we can say, I am content, I am fulfilled, I am satisfied. Number two, in John 8, Jesus says that he is the light of the world. Jesus says in verse 12 to the people once more, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Have you ever had those nights? I remember having, even as an adult, having those nights where for whatever reason the house is so dark, there's like no moonlight or, you know, there's no kind of like ambient light and the room is so dark you actually can't work out like, am I at the head of the bed? Am I at the foot of the bed? Where is the door? How do I get out of my bedroom? You literally lose all orientation and all bearing and you're just kind of trying to work out where's the bedside table and where's like my phone so I can find a light. So, you know, you just literally lose all bearings. It's just so dark. It's actually a really weird way to wake up when you I don't know what day it is or where I am or I'm supposed to be awake what time of the morning is it um it's so dark you can't get your your bearings but Jesus says that he is the light of the world and so when we when we have a maybe a dark season or a period of our life where we feel like we can't get our bearings I want to remind you this morning that Jesus says he is the light of the world and because he is the light of the when we have a revelation that he is the light, he is our guiding light, he is the lamp to our feet, the light to our path, then we can be wise. We can be wise. Our, our response to his light and his guidance and his direction is that we walk in wisdom. It says in Psalm 119, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You know, you might sometimes think that you're not a very good decision maker or you struggle to make good choices or you struggle to make decisions at all. I remind you this morning that you are a wise person because of your relationship with God. Jesus in your life gives you wisdom. He gives you understanding. You, you, you might 
consider yourself maybe not well educated or not very well experienced in life or maybe you've made bad decisions in the past and you, you therefore think that, you know, I, I, I just can't make good decisions. I need to let, let other people make decisions for me. But I want to remind you this morning that God says that he gives us understanding. He gives us light. And therefore, in our wisdom, we can have confidence. You can say this morning that I am confident. I am strong. I am wise. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am wise. Say it like you believe it. I am wise. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You know, when he is the light of your life, you can walk in wisdom. You can have wisdom and you can be wise. I am wise this morning. Number three, Jesus says that he is the gate. He says in verse 9 of John 10, Yes, I am the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. That is, they'll find safety, healing, rescue. I love that. Salvation in that context means, means safety and healing and rescue. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. In Matthew 7, Jesus says that you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell, that's the road that leads to destruction, is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. You know, I find that encouraging, but it's confronting as well, isn't it? That we have the, the, a very wide road to walk when we choose to not walk the way that God has for us. But the, the road to life, he says, it's difficult but it's, and it's narrow, but it actually it brings complete freedom. Jesus says that he is the gate. Because he is the gate, when we have a revelation that he is the way, that he is the gate, we can walk in safety and freedom. I've written here, I am safe and free. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am free. Because he is the gate, we can walk in freedom. We can come and go freely because we have an understanding of the, of the narrow gate that he's given us to walk. That we can walk in freedom, which actually sounds so contrary to the world around us, doesn't it? When we, when we think about freedom, we think that, well, freedom means you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however, you know, whatever feels good at the time. But actually, to walk the narrow gate is to choose a life that is honouring of God, obedient to God. It's hard. It's not fun. It's painful. It's sacrificial. But actually, in doing so, when we walk as though he is the gate, it says in um, that same passage, anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out. And John 8 says, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. You are truly free. In First Timothy, it says that he, the gate, gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And this narrow gate we know leads to freedom. This narrow, making those right choices, those obedient choices, those sacrificial choices is actually what gives us freedom. It leads us through that gate, freely moving through this life. Which, like I said, is counterintuitive to the world around us. But, but when we choose that way, when we choose to walk through the gate that Jesus has provided for us, we know that we are safe, we are cared for, we are forgiven and we are free. When you say, I am free. I want you to remind yourself this morning that I am free. You might feel like there are areas of your life where you're not free, where you are still bound, where you're still struggling, where you still feel like it's hard to lay down. Can I encourage you this morning that even if that's the reality in your life, can I encourage you this morning to say, I am free and declare over your morning, every morning, I am free, I am free, I am forgiven, I am free and keep declaring it until you believe it and walk in that freedom. Number four. He says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. In John 10, in verse 11, and then in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. 
He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. I love that. So I was thinking, are there still shepherds? Like, is shepherds like a Bible thing and they just got rid of shepherds? Because they're still sheep. So I figured they're still shepherds. And it turns out there are plenty of shepherds. And I didn't really know what shepherds do apart from look after sheep. So I thought I'd Google that as well. And so this is what I found. It says, good shepherds tend to the flock but care for the individual. They provide clean water, ample forage and shelter to an entire flock um, is, in, is essential to maintain the health of the flock. The success of a shepherd is in the compassion they have for each individual. This means being able to identify a sick or injured sheep or lamb within a flock of hundreds or even thousands of sheep. Assisting with the birth of a lamb when needed, ca- caring for a lamb orphaned by its mother, providing the expectant mother with enhanced nutrition or weaning a lamb in a compassionate manner are all part of the job. The more concern the shepherd has for the individuals who are in need of health care, supplemental food assistance or individual attention, the healthier the flock. Like that's quite a vast list of things to do for sheep. Um, but who likes a good lamb? So, you know, praise the Lord for shepherds. Um, and a nice maybe woolen coat. <laughs> Sorry, I feel bad for the sheep now. Um, <laughs> but they do taste good. Um, so... The the shepherd, the good shepherd, when we have an understanding that God is our shepherd, that he cares for us, and not just us collectively, but you, the individual, you, the person that he created, he will take care of you when you are sick or injured or orphaned or lacking nutrition or needing some kind of compassion. He is there for you to care for you. And I love that as a result of knowing he is the good shepherd, we can say, I am known and I am protected. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am known. I'm known. It says in Galatians 4 that now you know God, or should I say now that God knows you. In Isaiah 41, God says, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. I love that. Do not fear. I'll take you by the hand as your shepherd and I will lead you and I will care for you and I will take care of your worries. I, you don't need to fear because I will help you. You know, you might be looking at some circumstances in your life today where you feel like it is absolutely beyond you. You know, you are a, a feeble sheep and you absolutely need God to help you. You might be struggling in an area and there might be some, some challenges in your life. I want to remind you this morning that God says, I'm going to take you by the hand. I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to help you do this. Do not fear. I will help you. Because we know that he is our shepherd, we can know that we are known, we are understood, we are not alone, and we are protected. Turn to your and say, I am protected. I am protected. Number five. We read in John 11 that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 25, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So our, our revelation, I believe, of this one is that I am eternal. I am eternal. And I think sometimes we, like, we know that, but we kind of forget that. We live for now. We live for tomorrow maybe, but we don't live for eternity in mind perhaps every single day. You know, we had a lady in our church a long time ago, so not even, you know, like, Modbury days or Ridgehaven days, but a long time ago, um, she was an interesting lady. And uh, we used to ask her, I mean, you probably shouldn't ask how old somebody is, but we were sort of just trying to guess her age. And her literal answer was, I'm eternal. (laughs) Like, well, that's a stupid answer. But actually, like, you're not, I mean, yes, you're eternal, but also you've been on this earth for like a certain number of years. Can you just give us the number, please? Um, 
But she used to say, I, she would never tell us, I'm eternal. Um, but you know what? We, we probably forget that. We probably live our day to day about today, about tomorrow, about, you know, putting our meals on the table or paying our school fees or, you know, sorting out our grocery bill or our electric. You know, we think about the now and maybe a week ahead or a year ahead. But we've got to remember that we have eternity in mind. We are eternity minded. It says in Ecclesiastes, he has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to, to end. And that's really frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> when you think about the big picture of what God is doing, we can't see it. He doesn't show it to us. He lets us see it in part. He reminds us of, that, of, our, of, our, of promises to come or things to come in this life and our life to come. But actually, it's really hard to not see the whole picture. And so we forget. We forget that there's eternity to come and we think we live just for the now or just for today. But I want to remind you this morning that you are eternal. I am a new creation. I am alive. I am living on purpose. I am living on purpose and I am eternal. Turn to your and say, I am eternal. Number six. <laughs> no. <laughs> Number six. Uh, no, did I say, yeah, number six, the, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the way, you got me lost for a second. Um, in John 14, verse six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And I love that Jesus doesn't just, he doesn't just say truthful things, doesn't just speak truth. Um, he doesn't just say that he speaks truth. He is the embodiment of truth. He is the truth. He doesn't just say that he gives life. He is life. He's the source of life itself. He doesn't say that he's one of the many pathways to God. He says he's the way to God. He's the only way to God. I actually love in the book of Acts that they called people who were believers in Jesus people of the way, which I feel like in today's context it sounds a bit cultish. <laughs> um, so we probably wouldn't use that, you know, today. Um, people of the way. But actually I love there were people that they lived the way of Jesus. They walked the way of Jesus. He, they recognized that he was the way to God and that's the way that they chose to, to follow. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And therefore we can be assured I am assured. Say to your neighbor, I am assured. Blessed assurance, the old hymn says. We are certain of, certain of and confident in our relationship with God. And I love that because I think sometimes we, we waver. Sometimes we, can, we think about, well, I've, I've said this, I've done this, I've, I didn't do that, I thought about this, I've acted in this way. But can I encourage you this morning to know that he is the way, the truth and the life and therefore we can be assured of our salvation, assured that he is who he says he is and we can follow the way of Jesus. I am secure, I am loved, I am assured. Number seven. Also still in John, looking through these I am statements through John, Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener, the true vine. He is the true vine. He is the true grapevine and his father is the gardener. You know, um, I've been doing some gardening lately, which I've had lots of feedback on. I put up a photo the other day on my lawns, which I was very proud of. <laughs> they were looking pretty green. They were like freshly mowed. I was like, you know, mowing your lawn's pretty satisfying. Why didn't I buy a lawnmower five years ago and not pay a gardener all this time? So I've got my new lawnmower. I test, I test drove Phil's. I got a better one, just for the record. Um, <laughs> I did, <laughs> but I have a reason, and that's because um, I wanted to get it really flat, and I therefore needed a heavier one, but then it's so heavy that James can't do it, so now I have to do it. So anyway, long story. 
So I got myself a lawnmower, took, took mobile lawns, did all my edging, great, took some photos, put them on social media and had heaps of feedback on how my lawns needed dethatching and they needed fertilizer, they needed more watering and they needed this. And I was like, oh, I didn't ask, but whatever. So I got to it. So last long weekend, last, I, did, I had a big gardening project and I dethatched my lawn and I, that's like scarifying for those that, there you go, I've got some nods from my helpers over here. Um, scarified and um and aerated I literally have bruised knees from jumping on this stupid aerator thing and it banging into my knees 5,000 times across the weekend um uh, aerated and then I and then I what else did I do uh, and then topsoiled it has topsoil now and so now I've been watering it like and I have one patch lawn that I have re I have overseeded I've learned all these new words I've overseeded it um, so that I can fill in the, the patches. Um, I'm trying to keep the kids off the lawn. That bit's not working very well, but that's okay. Um, and we're just going to hope for some green lawn by winter, just in time for winter, and then we'll see how we go for spring. But um, I, what was I saying, any of that? Oh, because I've, t- it's, I've learnt, and I've learnt this the hard way because I've destroyed a lot of plants as well, um, is that when you take care of your garden, you actually have to cut it back quite a lot. You're always, always pruning. You're always pulling out weeds. You're always tending to it. It doesn't just take care of itself. When you're taking, looking after your garden, if you don't take care of it, it, it goes. It, you lose control pretty quickly. And I do believe that Jesus, you know, when it comes to our heart, when it comes to our life, when we allow him to be our gardener, you know, he's tending to, he's showing us this needs to come out. This needs to be, this needs to be pulled back. This needs to be, this bit needs to be fertilized that bit's never pleasant um you know we just we just allow God to do in us what he wants to do because when he tends to our heart the garden of our heart we know that he is doing what he wants to do in us because it says in um I don't have the translation here sorry but it says um perhaps still in John uh remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Sorry, I don't have a translation there. Um, we're fruitful. When we allow God to be the gardener or the vine dresser or the, allow him to be the, our grapevine, we are fruitful. We produce much fruit, not barren or unproductive, but effective and abounding we are a true disciple. We are truly fruitful when God is our grapevine. You know, we are fruitful. We are effective. We are prosperous. We are successful in the sense of not the world's success, but we are successful in that what we put our hand to accomplishes much because it's not done in our own strength. It's not done because we're, we're you know, trying with all our might, but actually we're fruitful because it's God in us producing that fruit. Prosperous, effective, and fruitful. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I am fruitful. Should I say there were, there were eight? There are seven. I have seven I am statements this morning. You know, this morning, when we understand his I am, when he says, I am who I say I am, we understand who he is in that, means we are satisfied, wise, free, known, eternal, assured, and fruitful. When we know his I am, we can walk in confidence and conviction. You know, I really feel like we hear a lot these days about, I guess, self-care and soul health and affirmations and things we should declare over it. But actually, I believe that some of that stuff, all of that stuff, is still biblical. You know, some of the things we allow our mindsets and allow our things to think about, that whole renewing of our mind takes place when we declare 
and affirm the truth of the Word of God. So when we say, I am satisfied, we are rewiring our brain. We are changing our mindset. We are changing the way that we think because the truth of the Word of God is taking place in our, in our minds. When we say, I am wise, the same happens. I am free. We declare it until it becomes a reality in our mindset, in our thinking, in our lives. I am known. I am eternal. I am assured. I am fruitful. You know, I'd love you to stand to your feet this morning and I'd love to invite the band to come as I pray for you, as we come to a close. Because I really feel this morning, I want to ask you, what I am do you need to declare over your own life today? Maybe there's one of the things I've said, maybe, maybe it's something I've not said today, but you feel like God is reminding you today to declare that I am healed, I am whole, I am redeemed, I am growing, I am renewing my mind. You know, it might be a whole range of things that that you need to remind your mind this morning, to remind your mind this morning about who God says you are, about who he is and therefore who God says you are this morning. And so I'd love you to lift your hands. I'd love you to close your eyes and just take a moment this morning. And, you know, as you go today, you might need to, you might need to write it on your mirror in the bathroom or write it, as a little reminder in your car or somewhere that you see it, I am, your I am. What do you need to declare over yourself today, over your family, over your home, over your own body, over your own thinking? But when you understand, when you have a revelation of who God says he is and the things and the nature of who he is, then we can walk in a freedom and we can walk in um, a confidence and a conviction about ourselves as well. What I am, do you need to declare over your life today? I'd love to pray for you and then I'd actually love to give you just a moment to, you might, want not, you might not want to say it out loud for the sake of those who are around you, but maybe just say it again in your mind afresh. I am, I am forgiven. I am loved. I am secure. I am lovely. I am lovable. I am kind. I am generous. I am, you fill in that blank. God, I thank you for every single person here this morning. I thank you, God, that you are changing the way that we think by the truth of your word. I thank you, God, that as we understand who you are, Jesus, who you say you are, I am the great I am, Yahweh, Jehovah, the one who has always been, who was and is and is to come. God, I thank you that as we understand your I am, we can walk in a confidence and a conviction a security this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray for every single one of your precious people who are here today. Let us walk in a renewed sense of confidence, a renewed sense of purpose, a renewed sense of who you have called us to be this morning. People of faith, people of conviction, people of substance, people of fruitfulness. We wait on you this morning, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Speak to your people.